Well, we're looking at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. Matthew 7 and verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who are going in by it. The King James Bible says, Enter in the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way. We have to understand that although the gate is straight, straight means narrow, that road goes straight to heaven, straight to eternal bliss and joy. Luke's gospel gives us some further insight on this in Luke 13 and verse 24. The scripture says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Strive, make every effort to enter in this narrow gate. For many, I say, will seek to enter but shall not be able to enter. You see, when we find the gate, actually we don't find the gate. God opens our eyes to see it. God is the one who reveals to us the, the way and the path. God's grace shows it to us, and God shows us that he is the door. He said, I am the door of the sheep. I am the gate. Now, we can't open the gate. We don't know how to open the gate. But the good news is that it has been opened for us already by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The gate that leads to life. The gate that leads to peace and joy and holiness. No sinner can enter that gate. But... That gate and that way is open even now. Although the gate is open, it's not popular. Most of the people are on the broad way. Today men pride themselves and they say, I'm broad-minded. Do you mean to tell me that Jesus is the only way? No, I, I, I've got a broad mind. I've got... Uh, broad theology, broad morals. I'm a wide open person. Well, there are multitudes of people like that on the broad way, on that broad way which leads to destruction, on that broad way, just because there's many people doesn't mean that they are right. The one road, the narrow road, leads to eternal life. But the broad road leads to eternal and endless death. Strive. This is what Luke's gospel says. Strive. Labor against the opposition that would tell you not to go on the narrow road. Why do we hesitate when we know, when we know that Christ is right when we know that the road that is narrow is the correct road because the carnal man is more suited to the broad way. 
because the Broadway is easy. There's no resistance on the Broadway. It's popular. It's in fashion. Everybody likes the Broadway. But the narrow way is not popular. The narrow way people despise. The narrow way they don't want to be on the narrow way. But the scripture says make every effort, every effort to get on the narrow way. Strive against the opposition. Who is the one that opposes us going on the narrow way? It's Satan, isn't it? Satan doesn't want us to go on the narrow way. He tries to encourage us to go on the broad way. Enjoy yourself. You know, to the, to the natural man, to the man or woman that has not been born again, the, the narrow way looks foolish. The narrow way looks so unpleasing. The blinded person cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if you want to, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. So the, the, the man who is not born again, he cannot understand. The scripture is unpleasing to him. Fellowshipping together is unpleasing to him. Prayer is unpleasing to him. They cannot see the value of it. But let me mention one point before we move on. Although I'm saying strive to enter in, we mustn't forget it is by grace alone, through faith alone, that we are saved. Saved by having faith and belief in Jesus Christ, in what he has done for us. Our own striving and laboring cannot bring us to salvation it is a free gift from God. Yet this verse does say, strive to enter. Many desire to enter, but they will not be able to enter. They are seeking the wrong way. There's only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. There's only one way to enter heaven, and that is through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. Faith in Jesus Christ. He is the door. If you were to interview people and ask them, do you want to go to heaven? They would say, of course, I want to go to heaven. But although they want to go to heaven, they don't like the narrow road. They don't like the door, the narrow door. One of the old writers <coughs> puts it so vividly. He says, let nobody think that they can lay all day with their head in Delilah's lap and then at night rest with their head in Abraham's bosom. No, you cannot do that. He also goes on to say, they cannot dance with the devil all day and then at night have supper with the Lord. No. How many do we know that act like this? Their daily ways are so wicked. 
The word wicked means twisted or twisted together, plaited together. Into their lives they plait worldly pleasures and worldly ways. Then they hope to enter by the narrow door. But the scripture says, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter in but not be able to. We must remember that tares and wheat grow up together. Tares are kwekwe. Wheat is good. Wheat needs to be harvested. Tares do not need to be harvested. They are, they, they are weeds. The scripture says that when harvest time comes, the tares, the weeds, will be gathered up into bundles together. And one of the writers said, they will gather the drunkards together, tie them up. They will gather the prostitutes together, tie them up. The thieves together, that they may suffer together. And he, he makes it very, very scary. He says that they may suffer together, for they have sinned together. Brimstone and fire will be poured down their throats. And fire will be sprinkled on their habitation. What a, what a stark reminder of the reality of the end of a sinner. But the wheat will be gathered and kept in the barn. The wheat is the true Christian. You say, well, there's, there's never been a perfect church. Satan always sows tares. Hypocrites always creep into churches and we are cautioned in the scripture not to try to uproot all the weeds because there's a gracious saying that says maybe he's a hypocrite today but grace comes to him and tomorrow he's a servant of the most high God maybe the Lord can touch those hard hearts not maybe but we mustn't forget that there will be a day of separation. There will be a day of the false and the true being separated, where God will say, the goats on this side and the sheep on this side. But we must strive. We must be sure that we are ones who are selected to go in with the Lord. We must strive to enter the narrow gate. Which road are you on? Which road? What a fearful question. What a solemn question. Are you on the narrow road? Or are you on the broad road? Full of people. Multitudes on it. And you feel safe because there's so many on it. But just because there are masses of people... It doesn't guarantee it's the right road. There's only one truth. There's only one Bible. And God's holy word is settled. And God's word teaches us that the broad road leads to destruction. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many that go in through it. Am I on the right road? I'm not sure 
which road I'm on. This is echoed in the Bible. There is a Bible verse that says there's a way that seems right unto a man. He thinks his way is right, but the end of that way is death. The broad road isn't a road that you get onto one day. You're not born okay and then at a certain age you find the broad road and you join it. No, the moment you are born into this earth, your feet are set upon the broad road. By default, man is born with his feet on the broad road. For all, Isaiah the prophet cried out, all of us like sheep have gone astray and every one of us have turned to our own way. We have all sinned. There is none righteous. No one, not one. But the narrow way, it's not only narrow, it's very low. To enter we have to bow our knee and we have to bow our heart. By this, I mean repentance. Repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and holiness of life. This has never been fashionable. This has never been popular to the world. That's why it's a narrow and a low way. The way is narrow but it's very safe. There's a story I read of an island in Normandy, and it stands on the rock in the middle of a bay. And at low tide, there's just a narrow, sandy path to the island, to the fortress. And if you do not stick to the path, and you deviate from the path to the left or to the right, you step off the path, and you step into sinking sand, and you are swallowed in a few moments. And this is a picture. The only safe way is the narrow path. The only way that leads to life is the narrow way that leads to the Father's eternal home. You say, I don't want to be on the narrow way. I like company. I like to be on a road where there's people. But although it's a narrow way, and although there are few people, it is not lonely. Why not? Because Jesus himself walks on that road. And he will walk with you. And whatever the road may bring us, we have nothing, nothing to fear. Because Jesus is at our side. He's with us. And he's ready and he's willing to help us. Do you know that even today, it being the Lord's Day, there's so many people that have been to church that claim to be true Christians. And if you were to ask them, are you born again? They would answer without hesitation, yes, I'm saved. I'm saved. But the fact is, they are on the broad road. How can they expect to end up in heaven when they are on the broad road? 
They have to be on the narrow road. They have to come off the broad road. Repent and turn and get on the narrow road. And then they will be saved. It's time to be honest with ourselves. Can I be on the broad way and expect to get to heaven? No. I must be on the narrow way. Think of the, the Bible people. Think of the chief priests, the scribes and the elders. The ones who said, teacher, teacher, we know that you are true and you care about no one. For you do not look at the face of men, but you teach the way of God in truth. So these Pharisees, they said, teacher, you teach the way of God in truth. And you don't fear men. These Pharisees, they were not saved. Yet they knew that Jesus was a good teacher. They were on the broad road. There was no love in their heart for the Lord. If we look at them, we will see the desperate wickedness of the human heart. Because those Pharisees, those teachers of the law... They wanted to lay hold of Jesus and catch him, but they feared the people. Why did they want to catch him? To kill him. They were wicked. They hated him. They were not friends of Christ's. Christ's enemies couldn't kill him. These enemies of his couldn't kill him because his appointed time had not yet come. Just like they were enemies to Jesus Christ, even today, they are enemies of the cross. Even today, people who claim to be Christians, but they are enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember the man in the synagogue who had a, a devil, an unclean spirit, and he cried out with a loud voice, We know who you are. He, cried, he knew who Jesus was. We know thou art the only one of the holy God. But yet, the Lord wasn't in his heart. There was a devil in his heart. We can't dance with the devil all day and have supper with the Lord at night. We have to live a right life. Another example is Nicodemus. He thought he knew. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. There are many people who are like Nicodemus. They know all the Bible truths. They can even preach the gospel to you. But Jesus answered Nicodemus and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What use is it to know all these truths, all this head knowledge? Nicodemus knew everything. He was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, but he was on the broad road, on the road to destruction. But how gracious our Lord is, how merciful our Savior is. Nicodemus came to the Lord at night. He came with little steps, so frightened, so scared. The Lord says, a bruised reed I will not discard. 
a smoldering flax I will not snuff out. He doesn't say, no, I cannot accept you. You need to come to me more boldly than that. Some people think that the ones that make the loudest profession are the most saved. But Nicodemus came at night very timidly. Remember this. While Nicodemus was timidly coming to the Lord, Judas was one of the twelve. Judas was one of the circle of Jesus Christ. Well, yes, he was a secret believer at first. Yes, he was. He didn't want to be numbered with the believers at first. But now there's been a change in his heart. Nicodemus can no longer be a secret believer. He's found helping with the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unafraid and unashamed of the Lord. While Nicodemus was doing that, sadly Judas, who seemed to be so far ahead, Judas went and betrayed the Lord. Judas then went and hanged himself. Nicodemus was on the narrow road. Now he was heading straight for heaven. I read something very interesting. Nicodemus was very rich. In some of the Jewish writings, there's a book called Josephus, and it was interesting that Nicodemus was said to be the brother of Josephus. The very one, Nicodemus was so rich, his money helped the whole of Jerusalem. When Nicodemus came to the Lord, they so hated him that at the end of the life of Nicodemus, he had nothing. And his daughter, who was the, one of the richest women in the whole of Jerusalem, she had nothing left. Had Nicodemus lost everything? No, he had gained eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord had opened his eyes to see that this money was nothing. But what was of true value was walking with the Lord. What was the great wealth of knowing the Lord compared to silver and gold? When we are born again, our eyes are opened to what is true value Except a man be born of water and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The unsaved man has no taste for spiritual things. He's bored by the fellowship of believers. He finds the Bible dull, boring, and they are strangers at singing and giving thanks to the Lord. They're strangers at praying and if that unsaved person were to die, that unsaved person doesn't like holiness, actually enjoys uncleanliness much more. And if he were to die and go to heaven, somebody in that condition hates the Bible, hates prayer, hates worship, hates righteousness, hates truth. Do you think he would enjoy heaven that's a holy place? A righteous place? A place where they worship God 24 hours a day? No, he would be like a fish out of water. He would, one of the writers of old says, suppose you took a fish out of water and you lay it on a golden tray and you put some flowers around it 
and you had a beautiful scent in the air, and you had music playing into the fish's ears, would the fish be happy? Never. And nor will a sinner be happy in heaven. You must be born again. Because you would be out of harmony with your environment unless you are born again. It's impossible for a fish to breathe out of water. A sinner is like a fish out of water. But how vastly different, as I draw to a close now, how vastly different are those whose hearts have been pricked, whose hearts have been enlightened, touched by the Lord. They are not like the ones that we read about in the wedding feast, who gave excuse after excuse, who didn't care to even go to the royal wedding. They just gave an excuse. Oh, I bought a field. I bought oxen that I need to try. They were so blinded that they saw no value in going to the king's royal feast. And they made light of it. And they went their own ways. And some even sneered at the invitation. When the glorious gospel of grace is preached, it's the invitation, the royal invitation, being given once again. Don't make light of it. Don't sneer at it. Perhaps you've heard this invitation to come to Christ many, many times. You've heard that your sins can be cancelled. You've heard that you can be given a new heart. It used to be so foolish to you. But today, you think, really, I would like to have a new heart. It is the Lord working in your heart. It is the Lord opening your understanding. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, if you feel the Lord knocking in your heart, don't refuse him. Don't make light of the invitation. When Peter preached in Bible days, the people heard the word and they cried out. They cried out, what then must we do to be saved? And the answer was very clear. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and receive the Holy Spirit. Receive new life in Christ Jesus. Receive a heart that loves the Lord. Receive a tender heart instead of a hard heart. This promise is to you and your children and all those that are afar off. Do you desire this promise? Well, unless God is calling you, you wouldn't even be interested in this promise. But if you are interested, gladly receive the word. Say to the Lord, Lord, I'm guilty. I have sinned. I want to be born again. I want to be a new creation. I want to follow your ways, O oh Lord. Don't put it off for another day. 
You don't know when you'll get another opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. If you say in your heart, I'm ashamed of all my sin, I need cleansing. O oh Lord, forgive me, wash me, and make me new. You will be born again. I challenge you, find a private place, get on your knees before the Lord, and examine your heart, and cry out unto the Lord. Ask Him to reveal truth to you, and today you will be a child of the Most High God. I close saying, if you are unsure of your salvation, if you would like to know more about salvation, come and see us. We are happy to talk with you. Amen.